0: Detroit Tiger fans, are you ready for the most exhilarating event of the summer? Get ready for the 6th Annual Motor City Metrics MLB Draft Show. Hosted by your very own Chris Brown and Rogelio Castillo, we're exploring one of the deepest MLB drafts in recent memory. Who will rise for the pack? Will the Detroit Tigers secure an impact bat with their pick? This is the first draft in Scott Harris' era, and you don't want to miss it. Be part of the excitement witness the future of baseball unfold on the Motor City Metrics MLB Draft Show. Join us Sunday, July 9th on the Motor City Metrics YouTube channel and the Tiger Minor Report YouTube channel for the first round of coverage. Welcome to the episode of Motor City Metrics here at tigersmlreport.com. I'm Rahul el alongside me is Uper and Chris, John, is on date number two, so... Um, good man. Good man, yeah, so... Uh, <clears> that boy's good.
1: Now, I told him this time he needs to spend a little money. Yeah, I was able. I it. was able to interrogate him the other night and find out he took her to a free event.
0: Uh, that's a little sketch, myself. I don't you know, know what, John or Youper? Well, technically, name is John, but Youper. I I applauded the way you started the show. I was cracking up. Um, it was well done, and I think everybody else liked it too. So, uh, um, time. currently, right now, it is. This has been a weird week around the state of Michigan, obviously with the weather. Mm. The Is it the fighters in Quebec, correct?
1: I think all over Canada. I mean, east and west. Okay. Yeah, it's a a hazy shade of haze
0: out there. And I was trying to be clever, but no one would get that reference. uh, Is it a hazy hazy
2: shade of winter or what is it?
0: Hazy shade of summer, if you will. So hazy shade
2: of summer, that's right. Yeah. And then there's the whiter shade of pale.
0: Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's a nice reference right there. Is that... Uh, what band is that? Anyway, it doesn't matter. hair harem, I think. Yeah, thank you. That is correct. But what's even stranger is the Tigers are heading to Colorado to play the Rockies and there's ice on their field. Yeah, Yeah, there was hail, wasn't there? Yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah, so it's, again, it's not a political show, but to the, the, the say that, political, that uh, global warming doesn't exist. Okay, right. So, <laughs> at, at any rate, A lot to get to today as Spencer Turkelson had his first multi-homer game and drove in four runs today as the Tigers were able to split the series against the Rangers and really kind of honestly probably surprised a little bit. We're going to get into segments real quick too. I am leaving a little early. I have 930 softball, but again, depending on how the weather looks outside, it's supposed to rain out in uh, Oak Park this evening. But uh, yeah, today's win was a surprise, I'm not going to lie, especially with the way the bullpen has been performing we saw Joey Wentz last night get called down it's been a parade of arms from Toledo to Detroit it's probably just a it's just it's a shuffle it's just literally a assembly line worth of arms that have been not effective at all let's just let's just be honest about it apparently also by the way we're called we're told today I was I'm not getting into this too much but apparently we're told we were homers on and the Tiger Minor League report. I don't know who these two people were. No, they was... Go ahead, Chris.
2: Yeah, and that was a hundred percent. They were just trolling. There there yeah. was nothing they, they were yelling about Erie as a city and, and somehow that Erie is bad at developing players or something like that, as though Erie in, acts independently of the entire organization. It was just they they were clearly just trying to get a rise out of us for some reason. And it worked for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I said the F word on Twitter. Yeah, when then I re- did, removed it.
0: Yeah, I'll say I never I never see Chris go off on anybody on twitter but uh either way the reason why i brought that up is because the the homer that i was more bothered about the home the those guys trolling whatever but the homer comment get get bent you don't pay attention then but uh no it was especially if you listen to Uper. you can listen to Uper for two minutes <laughs> where is where does Uper get uh, he's a homer never come on
2: Ugh, everybody knows talking? i hate I hate all the players that, that, yeah. that people love.
0: Especially of Torkelton, who had a good game. Yeah. Today.
2: He had a great game. He had a great, um, you know, series overall. I'm mean, I, I yeah. not sure about his overall numbers, but but it was great to see him do what he did, which was hit the ball hard to the pull field. Mm-hmm. Which, if he does that more often, then yeah, you could be talking 25, 30 home runs because... He, he, you see, he does hit the ball hard. We've seen it all year. It's just been too often it's been on the ground to the pull field or hard in the air to center field or right field. And if he gets that aspect of his game going, then, then yeah, I think the Tigers have some, you know, don't have to worry too much about first base for a little while.
1: <clears throat> the trajectory of all three of those homers were, was very low, uh, which is interesting. Uh, it reminded me, and I'm not comparing the two players because he's got a long way to go, but those are kind of UNS Suspitas kind of home runs. Those low missiles <laughs> that look like they're gonna kill somebody in the outfield um so that was that was pretty it was interesting to see he also had another i mean you can talk about foul balls all day long, who cares, but he hit one of those before that first homer this week that was maybe about six feet foul, so something he did really cranked up the power uh to the pull field like you're talking about
0: yes, and that was his the the second home run today was. It is only a second one off an off-speed pitch, so I mean he in terms of how he's batting against against off-speed pitches this year, he's it's it's an improvement from uh point zero ninety three last year to one thirty two heading into today, and no and and I agree with Vox here. Vox says in the chat, Dan Dickerson keeps saying that that f the the. Of the five tool of the five tool power is the last to develop, especially at the big level. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Because that's why you see that sometimes where that raw power tool number that comes up in scouting reports is kind of important to mention because you'll see it the power come on a little later. Yeah, I mean, that's
2: true. I guess guys do have to figure out how to get power, but when when you talk about something like that, I think of more more of someone like Parker Meadows, who is a skinny guy, tall, lanky, has to learn how to grow into his body and eventually get the power. Torgelson is basically a rock of muscle. He's, other than some baby fat in his face, he's been that since he came in pro ball. Um, but yeah, in his case, it is, it is it's learning how to properly access his power, I guess. And that does take a while, but I would never call Torkelson a five tool player. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he's two tools at best, I would think. Although he's a pretty good runner, actually, for, for better I, than expected, I would say. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah there's there's plenty to get to across the league too and the all-star voting results came in today the they named out the starters too we're, we're gonna dive some deeply into that but because of the sake of time on my end i do want to get in our segments no, quicker than normal because of that and because there's also i mean this week across baseball there's been some really interesting stories especially last night with Domingo Herman throwing a no-hitter, a perfect game rather, but mm-hmm. came at a strange angle. All right, it's time for inside of numbers. Youper, what is your number for this week?
1: Very simple, very simple numbers, 7 and 11. Uh, and that goes to Spencer Torkelson. Those two homers today were his 6th and 7th of the month of June, Um, You know, we sometimes put a little bit too much stock in. Well, he was good this month. He was bad that month. But they are just kind of natural places to mark the calendar uh, of the baseball season. So for the month of June, he has seven homers. You know, at the the beginning of the month, uh, John and I were talking. uh, He just said, you know, if he could just – he had a great month of May, but if he could just up the home run production to about six, you know, that would be something that we could take some heart in. Well, he got to seven. So that's kind of nice. Uh, but it was mixed in with kind of a pretty iffy month overall. But, you know, with the seven homers, he's got 11 extra base hits. I think his OPS for the month of June is is about 770 right in that ballpark, uh, which if that's going to be a terrible month, that ain't bad. <laughs> so uh, he just had that long, what was he, four for 48 or something, Um it got ugly there for uh about a week but you know i think we're seeing some steps forward uh and again i'm going to judge this season in its totality more than its little uh week to week progressions all right
2: chris what's yours uh yeah so so mine is uh negative 9.9 and this is where i'm i'm uh, a tigers homer this is the Drop in barrel rate over the last two years for Javier Baez—that yeah. is the biggest drop of any qualified hitter in baseball over the last two seasons. In uh, a reminder that barrels, of course, are the best thing a hitter can do; they're the ideal combination of, of exit velocity and launch angle. And uh, in 2021, Baez's barrel rate was 13.4 percent. Last year, it dropped to 8 percent, and this year it's down to 3.4 percent. And I have no idea why, wow. but it's just a gigantic bummer. Like I, 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 we've talked about it before, but you could have told me a thousand different outcomes for Javier Baez, and I wouldn't have picked that his strikeouts drop and he stops hitting for power entirely. I, I that Those two I never would have picked. And that's what's happened. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that's a bummer. And uh, more bummer the number two drop, uh, drop uh, in barrel rate over the last two years it's 8% and it's Air Costs. So <laughs> there you go. Number three
0: yeah. is
1: Jonathan <laughs> <laughs> <No>, Scope.
0: <he. laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so my number is pretty simple it's the number eight and that is the eighth consecutive season without the tigers having a fan elected starter at the all-star game and yeah. usually I, again the all-star game from my experience as as a fan the tiger fan and just following the tigers we had a the Tigers fans had it good from like 2008 2020 2013, 2014 it was a good run there for a while Domination to a certain extent, but we're back to what I'm used to, which <laughs> is what I'm, I think. I think all of us can uh, well, you, but maybe not you so much, but I think Chris and I can use to little to no representation by the Tigers in the all star game. I mean, growing up in high school, it was you, well, whoever the token Tiger was, which is Tony Clark or Demon Easley, in my case, and yeah. yeah, that's the one I can remember. So, hey,
1: Henneman, a couple times, yeah, Henneman, yeah, Henneman,
0: because he was. By default because you had the lowest ERA of any pitcher, the Tigers. All right, let's see here. Uh um now we have starter restarters are 5.4. Uh Henneman. Oh, 2.3. Okay. You're you're good. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, that's again, is it a it's a byproduct of a lot of different things, but uh I, I know people are gonna say, well, it's the fans vote, it's the same teams that always kind of do it. Here, here's a premise just the tigers have to play better and people would vote for them. I guarantee the thing is about this town is base, Detroit's a baseball town. It really is. It's a sports town, period.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you're good, it reflects that. For example, Toronto. Toronto doesn't it doesn't matter what Toronto. Toronto can it, it blows my mind. The Jays can struggle, but they fans always come out and vote, no matter what. And same thing with even you know, you look at some of the the angel, of course, the, the two most popular angels, Rangers are going to come out like that. But I'm not yeah. really, again, I'm not surprised.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I do think that the Tigers or Detroit is a baseball town, and and we see that when the Tigers are playing well or they're playing fun baseball, we get more people watching us. Yes, just people are more interested, they're more excited. But I do think there's still a, a large degree of, like I said, like it's it's kind of a fair weather fan base who would agree. Uh, it's uh, unlike with the Lions, which th- they could prove they could lose every game, and, and you know, go on a 50-year cycle of uh, terrible football, and people still watch just because it's football. But I do think there are hardcore baseball fans. There are more hardcore baseball fans in Detroit, I think, than there are, say, basketball or hockey fans. When when the Red, they're still hard hardcore fans. But when the Red Wings and the Pistons go into the doldrums, <laughs> I just you know I don't hear people talking about it at all, really. Uh, and people will still be like, "Hey, you know, it, because baseball is just the sport in the summer, right? It's the one that you still kind of watch." So, yeah, <laughs> Spain without the S, the pain. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it 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 would help if the Tigers had some exciting players who were known nationally. They used to. They had, you know, Miguel Cabrera. They had Justin Verlander, Curtis Granderson for a little while there. Like, you know, some That's some good. exciting next year's yeah, exciting, good players uh, that were worthy of being on the all-star team. And they just don't. And it's a bummer.
0: Yeah, it is what it is. And I think if, if Erod was healthy, I think it would have been there, mm-hmm. you know, but see, i see, here's the thing about Luke that cracks me up. Luke will come in our chat and leave these great one-liners. And so here in chat, he says, Detroit is a baseball town. Chris Illich isn't aware of it. But to be fair, Chris Lynch currently thinks it's football season.
2: <laughs> well, well, maybe he's watching uh, the the Michigan Panthers or whoever it is. Yeah. Uh, isn't yeah. that going on? Um, you, you mentioned Erod. By the way, he he, is, he pitched tonight for Toledo in Columbus, uh, four and a third innings. So he's already pretty much already back to uh, you know what he's going to be doing: uh, three hits, one walk, four strikeouts, no runs. That was fifty-eight pitches. So nice. at that rate. Maybe one more rehab start, maybe two at the if they're being super cautious. I think yeah. if they do two, he'll be back the first game after the all star break.
0: Yeah, and they and they need all the good news they can get on the pitching front because Reese Olsen went down with an injury today. And, and honestly, it was Chris McCoskey. Look, you can say what you want about Chris McCoskey, but I as I've gotten to know him outside, you know, as a as a person, there's one thing about him. He doesn't. He doesn't BS you. He's pretty much straightforward, and a lot of people don't like him. Whatever. I don't. You know that's your opinion. But uh, one thing he said today that we couldn't help, and I retweeted it from the minor league account was, "quote Reese is leaving the game. I got no words for this shit anymore." <laughs> and it's true. I mean, look, the fact that they won today's game, the way they did it says a lot about this team that I, I think you wouldn't have seen during the Ron garden era. I mean, Hinch has been able to mix and match the bullpen pretty well. And the bullpen gave them a, a standout performance today. And outside, even I know the ninth thing was a little shaky, but still nevertheless, that was a game that I don't think the Tigers would have won a couple of years ago. So I think Torkelson having a good game, but also at the same time, just getting those kind of performances from their bullpen is a rare is to me that just even like, I mean, look at that from uh, their first game against Texas into the, this game. The last two were, ugh. I mean, once yeah. again, when, when Wentz is using all four pitches, I think he's an effective pitcher, but everybody will tell me I'm an idiot and that's fine. And he got sent back to Toledo. So obviously I don't know what I'm talking about, but
2: yeah. I, I'm a Wentz fan too. I I There are times when he looks very good. And then other times, like watching that start, it was, it was like, the Rangers knew exactly what he was going to throw and exactly where it would be. Like you could see yeah. his fastball would be tailing away from their bat and still like, Oh, barrel. Um, yeah. And there's been way too much of that from him this year. We, he's more talented than this, but I don't know. It's tough to say what his future is because he's had so many of these really rough outings that it's, it's really hard to, to watch. And yeah, I mean, the second game was, was a bummer because Manning pit, pitched uh, pretty well, yeah. you know, scoreless through five innings you can't ask for a whole lot more than that and then but he just had some control issues probably not fully stretched out um and then the bullpen in that one kind of collapsed a little bit and we saw unfortunately that Anthony Mishevich or miskowitz uh we hardly <laughs> knew he he had a uh Jace Boers level introduction and departure from the Tigers that uh, we may remember five six years from now or we may forget forever but
1: Every ball uh, was yeah,
2: a rocket. To, to win two games and split a series against the best offense in the American League I think best offense in baseball I haven't I haven't looked uh, let's see how are they that's the best offense in baseball uh, and you lose your starter in two of those games early and you manage to win both those games I think I mean you know I, you don't have to feel good but it feels better like you're saying it feels like something that probably wouldn't have happened a couple of years ago
0: yeah definitely it's just texas is so so good so deep and even i think there what was their seventh theater was just enrique duran duran he yeah he was yeah, he, he was gonna tell his problems he might be my good tonight all right well speaking of which let's get into that real quick for So what we, we, we just did was called a tease in the business. So Chris, do the bad luck this week.
2: Yeah. So my good is Ezekiel Duran. Now uh, you know Tigers fans are probably tired of them, uh, but now that I don't think the Tigers play the Rangers again this year, so we can kind of sit back and go, hey, that's interesting. So uh, yeah, twenty four year old just turned twenty four. Um, he he went dim, uh, deep what three games in a row against the Tigers. I think he's now hitting three twenty six with twelve home runs this year. Mm-hmm. He doesn't walk a lot. It's like a four and a half percent walk rate and his strikeouts are a little elevated not too bad but it's like 25 percent not an ideal mix but when you're hitting 326 with power who cares so his wrc plus right now is 158 um he also and this is randomly i, I noticed this on stat earlier he has the strongest throwing arm in baseball according to savant baseball savant he's he's at 97.6 miles per hour from left field which is six miles an hour harder than the close next closest left fielder damn um, he came up as a shortstop slash third baseman, and they're just playing him where they can. But yeah, that's a big arm. Um, and it's a fun story because, you know what? He signed for $10,000 with the Yankees. $10,000. Uh, never a top 100 prospect, but he was part of the package that they sent Texas to get Joey Gallo, which, of course, did not work out so well for the Yankees. Nope. But, uh, but the Rangers got uh duran they got josh smith who played pretty well in the series uh, lsu kid and they also got glenn auto i don't know what's happened with him but uh yeah i mean that's we're having some discussions about who the what the tigers need to do to get better and i said everybody needs to be on the trade block uh because you know you got to find talent somehow and and the rangers have done that in, in a number of ways so i thought that was pretty cool my bad is the colorado rockies pitching which is not a shocker. You could probably say that for every segment, every week, every year. But uh, over the last month, they've been particularly bad. It may be good news for the Tigers this week. I don't know. Uh, They're 8 19 with a 6.62 ERA over the last month, 277 hits and 113 walks in 233 innings. That's good for a whip of 1.67 for an entire month. So every inning, one and two thirds of a batter are getting on base. Uh, and they've given up 48 home runs in that same stretch over the last 30 days. Oh, shit. And here, well, here, here let's have some numbers. Here, Kyle Freeland, 0-3 with a 675 ERA in 32 innings. Connor Siebold, 0-2 with a 604 ERA. Austin Gomber sounds like a, a Pac-Man villain or something. Uh 1-3 with a 7-04 ERA. You got Chase Anderson for Toledo Hens great. 10-13 ERA. He made five starts last month. Didelson Lamette, they released him, I believe, after he went 0-4 with a 10-8 ERA last month. So, yeah, the pitching not going so Exactly. It's not great in Colorado right now. And you hope the Tigers can take advantage of that and maybe not have their pitchers blow up at the same time. Oh. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough on Colorado. And my ugly is, this is kind of a strange one, but my ugly is their domingo Vermont perfect game, hmm. uh, which, you know, no perfect game should ever be called ugly other than maybe like, you know, the Jim Joyce mistake. But uh, it should should be a really great moment for baseball, right? You know, one of these rare feats, except Domingo Humran uh, has been suspended for domestic abuse before. So that's not great. He's also been suspended for illegal substances at least once, if not twice, I think, uh, on the mound. You know, not not. I got a few you know, names like, I like to call. It. <laughs> but like, you know, uh, all that stuff. And And of course, he threw a perfect game against a team that is actively... Putting out the worst product possible in order to force a move out of Oakland to Los Angeles. It's, it's how could you not be romantic about baseball, huh?
0: <laughs> so, oh, that cliche. I love that cliche. <laughs> oh, man. That is,
1: <laughs> so that's my bad yeah, state of affairs there.
0: Yeah. Um, Yuper, what about you?
1: Okay. Well, oh, my good, very simple. I mean, Shohei Otani. I mean, we talk about him. Periodically on the show, but he just always deserves more. Uh, 29 home runs now, 14 in the month of June. Just every single night, there's a highlight. The other night, he goes deep twice uh, and strikes out 10 batters uh, over six in the third inning. Uh, The dominance continues. It's just a joy to watch. The cool part about it is he's just such a happy warrior about the whole thing, you know? It just seems like he's enjoying it. And uh, is being nice to everybody. <laughs> you know, there's, there's he's it's 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 really going to be very interesting to see where he goes and what that can do for the game. Uh, if he ends up in the right market where he's always on TV with a relevant team and if he can continue to perform uh, at that level, let's hope he can because it would be a hell of a show more than just watching the highlights from a West Coast game that everybody was in bed instead of watching. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes this fall if he moves this year. Uh, but then almost, you know, next year as well. Um, My bad. No, this really isn't so much a bad, and it's going to, you know, it's easy to, a lot of people rip on, uh, on uh, Shepard uh, on the Tiger broadcast. So I'm not really ripping him on this one, uh, but he said at the end of this game today that the Tigers salvaged a split and I thought it was more that they achieved a split in this one. There's a subtle difference there. Uh, But, you know, Chris kind of got into where I was going to go, but I'll just talk about it anyway. I thought, you know, to go into Texas's house with that great offense that they have and the team that they're, you know, probably second, third best team in the American League. um, To go in there and get a split on two unexpected bullpen days really showed something. And the fact that this team is 35 and 45 And, you know, again, you always are what your record says you are. But this team is a bit more interesting than the typical teams that we've seen that's 10 games under 500. Uh, They're doing some things to keep our interest. They're winning some series here and there that you didn't really expect them to win. They go into first place Minnesota and win three out of four, for instance. Um, So today I just thought they played a a really good defensive game. Uh, They came up with some power. And, you know, the bullpen did its job to keep it going until they, they leaked a little oil at the end. But it, it, it was a good series. It was really fun to watch. They sniffed around winning in game two. They almost took three out of four on this one. So uh, good job on the Tigers. And, again, they achieved it. They didn't really salvage it, the split. Uh, my bad, go back to Shep. This is a personal pet peeve. Some people won't care, and that's fine. When Torkelson hit the first homer today, Shep comes out as with, he hit the fair pole. The fair pole. It is not a fair pole. It is the foul pole. It's been the foul pole for over a hundred years. Stop it. He should have been, I put out a tweet that he shouldn't have fired between innings. That was probably over the top, but still. And then somebody what what Mr. K line always said fair pole. Well, screw him. That's what I got. To say. <laughs> like that.
0: Yeah, he's not well, a the Hall of Fame all the all but
1: the
2: um I think and I think he called the, the next one a three run jam, which I've never heard before. I've never heard someone call a home run a jam. Which i I guess I, I don't hate it too much. If he were to make that his thing, I, I'd be okay. Yeah. But it, it feels like he was just like he forgot that he wasn't at a basketball game or something.
1: Honestly he, I, honestly, that, that didn't bother me that much, honestly. No, it, it just
2: was funny. I just never heard it before.
1: No, I've never heard that either. I'll go with three run jam over a fair pull any day of the week. Twice <gasps> on Sunday, no problem. I like it.
0: <laughs> so one of the things, um, you know, Chris, you you make me think about that, the, the Rockies and how bad they were. So I'm trying to find a span. The in terms of like just the same span of the Tigers, the nineteen ninety six Tigers, which by the way have the worst ERA of all time. Yeah. So I was trying to find the. Where have you gone, Omar aloveras Yeah, that That who, by the way, was the quote unquote ace. And by the way, Harrison, thank you so much. I forgot to not to forgot. By the way, we're gonna start a new rule on the super chat. If you donate, first and foremost, thank you for donating. We really appreciate it. Yes. But second, we're gonna wait till we all finish our. Talking points, or whatever. Before we press something like this, ah, such a all-time for Harrison and exquisite. So that way we don't interrupt the flow of the show because I tend to. I, I was listening to another podcast and they were like, "Oh, don't, don't interrupt." But uh, Joseph, thank exquisite. you so much.
1: Let's get some. Let's get Shep saying three-run jam every time. Three run so jam, I'm... see
0: three-run jam. It rolls off the tongue pretty well. I like that. Um. But
1: not the worst thing he's ever said <laughs> today.
0: <laughs> so I was looking at, like, I was while you guys were doing that, I was using Stathead and I was trying to find the in terms of a uh, span of games. At one point, that 96 team from we're talking here, uh, there was a date, the month of June, they had an ERA of not kidding here, folks. There was a span of five games three times to- i'm sorry twice i'm sorry i read that wrong they had no i did read that wrong twice in the span of june in five game spans they had era above nine above nine so they're historically bad uh there's a super chat feature you can donate to doug in the i think that should be in the youtube part so we're just just Slide John uh, 20 or whatever, yeah. Slide John, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so my good is Tyler Alexander. Now, Tyler Alexander is honestly to me, he's a Tiger that has nine lives. Every time you say, Oh, let's release Tyler Alexander, I, I never do, I never, I always hold off because he's one of those pitchers that gets better as the year goes on. In the month of June, Tyler Alexander. Has had a K per nine, a 9.53, and an ERA of 1.06 with a FIP of 3.39. That will play. And again, just going out there, he's had two outings this month where he allowed just one run. He has not allowed a two runs or more since May 26 against the White Sox. So Tyler Alexander will continue to do that. It's just one of those things where when you think you can cut him out, he's like, "No, screw you. I'm going to show you." And he does each and every time. So props to Tyler Alexander. This is a guy who, by the way, four or five years ago, Chris remembers, I was very high on Tyler Alexander. I still will be, damn it. That's one of those. (laughs) I claim my stake on it. It was a second round pick yep. and he's been serviceable and he goes about it. He doesn't get a lot of attention, but quietly again, just going out there and doing his thing and he's put up some pretty impressive numbers. So
1: was that about 2014 second round?
2: 20, 2015, he was 2015. actually, they took him, I think they took him in 2013 as well and then signed him as a draft-eligible sophomore and yeah. gave him extra money. He is uh, the fourth best, by war, the fourth best second-round pick in the Dabrowski-Avila era. So, <laughs> uh, behind Drew Smiley, James McCann, and Spencer Turnbull.
0: So my bad is the mock draft by The Athletic and Keith Lopp having Paul Skeens go at number one. Not going to happen. I'm sorry. You know what? Look, Ooh, I don't know. I know. You know what? No, youper. I'm going to say this right now. Unless I, I'm going to say this. It's part of my big splashing. Anyway, if the pirates pick Paul Skeen's at number one, I'm going to belly flop in the pool at Chris's house, July 9th. I'm going to do it. I'll wear, a, I'll wear a clown mask or something. I have my Lucha Libre mask right behind me, right over there. Okay. <laughs> like Greg, it? by the way, Greg Gagne of the Eerie Seawolves wants me to wear that at some point. But I'm not going to because, A, I have softball here in a few minutes. And B, sometimes it just, yeah, anyway. My my point is simply this. It's not going to happen. All right? And the reason why it's bad is because you have a guy in Langford who had a fantastic college World Series. Mm -hmm. LSU who's on top of the world right now. You have Dylan Cruz. But you're going to go with a pitcher? Again, there's nothing wrong with it. Again, I understand. Uh, Linda Henning and I got in a discussion on Twitter about that. It was a very nice debate. Sure. But I just don't see this happening. The reason why I think it's bad yep. is because I feel like we're selling a bill of goods here that Keith Law, Keith Law knows a lot of people. He's, you know what I'm saying? Like, unless he knows something we don't know, but I don't see any other where it's, it's, it's stating that. So That's why I think it's bad. It's disingenuous. I, I
2: will say that, that- he actually, he is not the only one floating that out there. Now we, every draft cycle has stuff like this, where there'll be like a week where everybody's like, "Oh, it's going to be Max Clark," and yeah. like all the mocks say that. And and I think, I believe Pipeline moved him, moved Skeens to their number one player. They did, yeah. They gonna, moved Skeens I, to the I'm number doing the one player. The, one, and the, I'm doing
0: the fan side one not dropping tomorrow. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not giving. No. It. I,
2: I, <laughs> yeah. I. I. I mean, I could see it, just because he's good and the pirates probably could use him every all the teams could use him Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i I just it feels like we're in like this little pocket right now where everybody's like oh the pirates are going to take skeins and and you know when the actual draft comes we'll have all forgotten about this week where we all thought he was going number one
1: i'll tell you if there's any validity to the idea that you can get paul Skeens at a slight bonus discount over the other two guys like Cruz get Paul schemes and then use that money to go get some other players in the first 10 rounds. Boy, that doesn't sound bad. <laughs> now, if, the, if, okay, if the pirates,
0: of the pirates are cheap, we know this. So that would make sense in that regard. I just don't, again,
2: Right, man. I, Tell, I You know, not to derail your segment here, I know you've got to finish, but the, the, the scenario that, that scares me the most, and the one that I feel like people aren't talking about enough that it's a possibility, is the Pirates taking Langford first, because uh, you can argue that he's as good as, as uh, Cruz, you might be able to get him for less, and then the Nats would probably take Cruz, and then the Tigers are looking at Skeens or Kyle Teal because they're not apparently not in on the high school bats. I, I don't know. I mean, that that's the scenario that I'm worried about the most.
1: Yeah. It means all day on that scenario for me. Uh, I don't think
2: they'll do it. I, I think that it's the principle of it for them. I think uh, we talked, you know, the Cubs, their whole thing was always taking the best college bat available. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a couple of years ago, the giants took a whole bunch of college pitchers and to a man, they've all been a disaster. It's <laughs> like uh, Will Bednar and Matt Mikulski and, and like all of them just are like, Oh no. Uh, so i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens but anyway back to raj
0: so part of and then my ugly was mlb and the pirates this week it, it's for today's game that andrew mccutcheon wore a mask during the game because of the wildfires are going on in canada we mentioned it earlier on the top of the show and the reason why it's kind of ugly is because they were concerned about their health and a lot of games in the minor leagues were canceled erie canceled uh, I believe yesterday they started the opening series because of the weather. West Michigan, same thing. And so the reason why it's ugly for baseball is I understand why they did it and they made it felt like both sides agreed, but it was, I mean, when you have guys saying really, were well, you saying something like, quote, I don't really know why we're playing. Austin Hedges just said that. It seems like it's, un. It seems like everyone is kind of uneducated, uneducated on this subject, which is too bad. It's clear as day when you go look at your phone and you check the numbers. Like I told you, don't go outside. I'm not telling you to, go. They're not telling you to don't go outside. They're telling, you, and they're not saying it for no reason. We're not any different than any other humans. End quote. He's got a point. So it's just kind of ugly in the sense that, like right now, I'm about to go play softball.
2: Yeah, this I thought. I thought softball was over. I thought you guys summer uh, now lost the playoffs. First
0: game of summer. We didn't lose so just, the playoffs. It just, and it just continues on. And guess what? I'm playing second base tonight, which I'm not looking forward to because uh, oh, I haven't played in a while. So, regular Cole Keith over here. Yeah. Well, I'm batting, thir- batting third. So, Haley oh, Hornsby. No. <laughs> I, I, I felt I did make my, I did make it. By the way, I think I, if I'm not going to be braggadocious. I think I probably led the team. No, maybe Greg uh, or buddy Greg led the team in hits. Who knows? But uh, either way, I was up there. Just saying. Just saying. And she goes, Well, I'll have you play third time. I'm like, No.
2: Second. Rod Carew, um, yeah. I'm
0: getting mad at Rod
2: Carew. Uh, yeah, you know the 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 air quality thing is kind of weird to me right now. Like I don't ever remember seeing air quality things on my phone. Like what air quality? What? And then the other day it was normal around here, and then suddenly it got kind of foggy. I'm like, what's going on? I I didn't really notice. And my son said it smells like hot dogs outside. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. True. And sure enough, uh, it's these wildfires, but like I was talking with somebody and we're like, I'm sure this air quality is probably bad, but any of us who grew up in like the eighties and nineties, it's probably no worse than the restaurants or bars we used to hang out in. (laughs) It's full of smoke. Yeah. And people people older than us would just take a transit, a continental flight with a tube full of smoke because all the nervous people smoking. So, I mean, yeah, you don't, you know, don't go out there and huff a bunch of air, but I don't think it's going to kill you.
0: Sean, what's going on? He's live in Pittsburgh, so that's kind of funny. We get the Pittsburgh perspective. My dad smoked for almost the entire duration of my my life, and his Chevy Blazer. He had a '77 K10 Blazer, and that that smell of Winston Winston cigarettes, like still in my nostrils. Mm. Every time I, I even look at a pack of Winston cigarettes, I think of that Winston. smell. And that le- my dad had this leather package in his truck, right? And the smoke. Got into the, the leather. So it, it smelled like tobacco, that smell of Winston cigarettes, and occasionally he smoked pipe tobacco. Because he would, worked at he worked in the Chicago plan in the 80s for Ford. So he drive sometimes back. He lived in Indiana. Sure. Or, I mean, Illinois rather. And then he'd come back to us on the weekends. So oh yeah, Bloodright there. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you, Bloodright. That ball is gone. Exquisite. So, on that Perfect. note, gentlemen, uh, you guys want to continue on, go free, free feel free. Yeah, but uh, yeah. go to the website, com. These two fine gentlemen will take it on from here. I will see you guys on Sunday for the Week 13 wrap-up of the Minor League show, including probably more Colt Keith stuff, as Colt Keith had one of the best AAA debuts we've seen in a while. And there's take all walk. Yeah, he got intentionally walked. That's how respect for Columbus there. So. But uh, anyways, gentlemen, I'll see you guys later.
1: Go be clutch, All right, you, Good
0: clutch. luck. Thanks. All
2: right. Um, No, so, was, so Sean said man, he managed to get $20 tickets behind home plate today for at PMC to, thanks to the air quality delay. That was uh, Padres, I believe, over the Pirates there. Yeah. He sunk him with a home run. Not a, not a bad game, although, yeah, the Pirates fell, I believe. But... Well,
1: you know, where I grew up in Upper Michigan, we had Canadian wildfire smoke all the time, you know, i really I'd yell. Yeah. It seemed like most summers, anytime there was a fire up there, we get something. So now that it's more pervasive, I don't know if it gets reported more or if it's, I, I get a little tired. Al Roker will honor today's show, right? He'll mm-hmm. highlight about eight States that's been covered by smoke and he'll 87 million people are at risk. Oh, <laughs> that's a little hyperbole there, Al. you know, but, uh, but it is bad, and it's it's definitely put you know a uh, a damp you know a damper on baseball. Who knew that that'd be part of the the story of the season?
2: Yeah, I mean we we've seen games canceled at just about every level because of bad air, which is yeah, like I said, it's something I don't remember ever happening before. I'm sure it's happened uh, you know one off here or there, but
1: we actually had the the game I did today. We had they had the lights on this morning.
2: Well, because of the that's yeah. funny.
1: Yeah, there's a little haze out there. It wasn't bad, but, you know, it was enough to have the lights on.
2: Yeah. So, and we got a couple of questions here. And right. I side, I, um, the first one, Christopher Michael Bondi. Now, wait, was it him? Yes. Sorry. I, I, it popped down a little bit. Yeah. All right. He said the Rangers, actually not, not him. We'll go with Don Musef. He's right above that. Sorry. First to come, first serve. He said, considering this unworldly seller's market, shouldn't Scott Harris just sell everything other than our young core? Um it you know it always depends on the return, right? You, yep. you don't sell everything just to sell it. you sell if if it really is a great seller's market um and i I don't know if that's necessarily true yet we've we've only we've seen one trade right the the Mets traded Eduardo Escobar, I believe yep. to the angels for a yep. couple of interesting arms uh but yeah, and it just depends on who's going to be out there moving players like we, we keep talking about it. like if the white sox finally decide to fold up shop. They've got a lot of interesting players that, that might help them rebuild pretty quickly from Tim Anderson to, you know, to Eloy Jimenez, uh, Luis Robert, uh, Juan yeah. and basically everybody in that team is, is, is tradable. Somehow they're not any good though.
1: Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I think, you know, and I, I'm trying to be consistent every year. I always think everybody has a price, right? Um, they're not trying to compete to win really uh, so, yes, they should be looking to move their assets so that they can if, if, if someone meets their price. Uh, hearing about Erod, uh, it, it was really important that he had a nice outing tonight, I think. Uh, they are talking on TV about, you know, does he even need a second one uh, to come back to Detroit? But let's say just, for, I, I you know, we talked about this earlier, John and I, last week. Um, let's just say he does need two outings. That's fine. That gets him back just after the All-Star break. That gets him on the mound probably at least two to three times before the trade deadline. Um, If he looks pretty close to what he looked like back in May before the injury, uh, yeah, I think, you know, when John Heyman was talking that there's, quote-unquote, a haul coming for uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, I think it's possible because I just don't know if there's that many other difference-making pitchers out there you know, depending if Strowman gets put on the market or not. Um, And as I always say, there's a big difference between, is it a guy who is depth to help a team get to October, or is it a guy you're going to give the ball to in October? And that's a big difference in those prices. I think, for instance, Michael Lorenzen is probably a guy you could put on the market, but he's, I don't know if he's going to get a start for a, a contender in October, but I think Eduardo Rodriguez could, you know, and that shouldn't, um, uh, yield a better return uh, in a trade so we'll see i it's it, we just there's so many moving parts right now for the tigers they're nominally in contention uh even though they're 10 games under and they have you know guys coming back from injury and who knows how that's all really going to shake out
2: yeah it's there there are pieces there to move it's just a matter of, of yeah who 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 can you spare? Who can you get the most from? Who makes the most sense? Uh, well, and, Alex
1: Lang. I mean, I would have moved Alex Lang in a heartbeat a month ago. Now, I'd still move him, but I don't know who's going to want him. I mean, if you're watching, he's just so inconsistent. You know, he has one outing where yeah, hey, it looks like it's coming back a little bit. And then the next outing, he's all over the map, you know, and giving up some contacts and uh, uh, walking people. So I don't so know if that big return is there. I think Foley would probably do better.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably true that the, you know, you got Lang was the, the AL reliever of the month in May or whatever. And he's had a a difficult June. Uh, If you're trading him now, you're probably not getting as much as you would have a month ago. I think you're right. So that's probably not a great idea if they want to move. Jose Cisnero has been quietly pretty good for the last month or so. Uh, You're not going to need a ton, not going to need a ton from him because he's like 34. He's going to be a free agent, but that's a guy you, you know, Sometimes you get an interesting chip for a reliever. See Reese Olsen, right? Yeah. Uh, it just depends on on what you uh, do with it. Um, and, and Christopher's here he said the Rangers have a lot of hitting. They don't look that strong on the pitching front. I'm wondering if they might be a good trade partner with the Tigers either at the deadline or in the offseason. I think, yes, they, they would be. And a name you hear come up a lot is J- Justin Foscue, who is kind of a second baseman, third baseman. I want to say he was their first-round pick or maybe, you know, sandwich-round pick a couple of years ago. I'm looking Sounds right, right. now. Yep. Let's see. I'm looking. Oh, 14th overall. Jeez. All right. Hmm. Um, And he's been a a quality producer in the minor leagues. Every season, he's in AAA right now. He's 24. Right now, he's hitting 281 uh, with eight home runs. But uh, listen, it's 14.4% walk rate, 11% strikeout rate. We like that. That sounds like the sort of thing that that Scott Harris would like, too. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but from watching this series, the the Rangers don't have a whole lot of openings on the infield. They've got uh, a, a starter in the All-Star game at third base and, yeah. and, and Young. They've got Corey Seager, who's pretty good. They've got Marcus Simeon, who's pretty good. They've got Nate Lowe, who's doing his thing at first base. There's not really room for Jesse Foskey. They could try to throw him in the outfield, but they also have Duran out there and, and Garcia. Like Christopher was saying, there's a lot of bats in that lineup. So Foskey is a guy I would look to get moved.
1: And then, um, you know, they lost to Grom. They definitely wouldn't mm-hmm. seem to need starting pitching. So if they yeah. are looking to get Erod... And maybe a relief arm like, you know, Cisnero. Could that get you a player like that?
2: I think for sure. I, I think if they want, if they saw Erod and they said they want him, they, could pro- they would probably be fine with just going straight up with Joseph Fosky. be like, this is probably the best the Tigers are going to get. We'll give him, we'll offer this. And now is that what the Tigers want? Who knows? Uh, maybe they want somebody lower. Maybe they want, who knows what they want. But I do think the Rangers are, are an interesting play, trade partner. I keep bringing up the Padres as a, a, a team that, for all their investments, they still have a ton of holes in their team, mm-hmm. and they could use a little bit of everything the Tigers could offer them. They could use a starter. They could use an extra outfielder like Badu or Parker Meadows if, if the Tigers wanted to trade him. They could use a reliever. They could use all those guys, and, and they do have some very interesting prospects. They're pretty highly ranked, though. It would be a question of, of whether or not they would want to part with those guys. But again, you're looking into infield that doesn't have many spots available to play. You got Machado, you got Bogarts, you got Kim, you've got, uh, you know, is in the outfield now, but um, I don't know. I feel like they're an interesting trade partner.
1: And I've been looking at Arizona. That's the one I've been kind of zeroed in on. They're kind of a year – they're kind of contending a year ahead of schedule. So I think they're a little light on pitching um, uh, to go the distance. Uh, And they have um, the outfielder, Dominic – looks like Calzone, but it's not. Uh, Isn't it Dominic –
2: There's a Dominic Fletcher, the kid from – Arizona, Arkansas. Is there a
1: yeah a guy with an Italian Is, there, name. is it Falzone? The uh, no. Regardless, they have an outfielder. They have a stack of outfielders, and there's both on the big league club and in the minor leagues. Uh, Canzone. Hmm?
2: Dominic Canzone.
1: Canzone.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking. Uh, it's was probably thinking, Canzone, but
1: I was thinking Calzone in my mind. You know, yeah. I knew that was wrong. <laughs> Kenzo, uh, that's an interesting player to me, and they really don't have a spot for him either. So they they would be dealing from a surplus. So uh, if they want to go the distance this year, they probably got to add some pitching, and that that would be an interesting uh, combination of teams.
2: And and yeah, the backs also you could also theoretically get some of their young pitching from them too if you wanted, because they've brought up a bunch of young pitchers, but they haven't really stuck right Brandon uh, Fod and uh I think Tommy White's come up a couple times they have uh Ryan Nelson and Dre Jamison they have all these you know sort of interesting arms that might be worth you know they might look like relievers you, you grab them and say uh we'll try the Max Scherzer route with you yeah. I think they're they're a team that yeah but again that's I mean there are two and a half games in the first place I think in uh, the National League West like you kind of have to go for it right you don't have to sell the farm but are you going to get this opportunity again with the Dodgers? You're probably going to go out and get Otani next year. Exactly. And, and the giants are on the come up again somehow. And yeah. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I do think there are some interesting, one of the fun things about having teams that haven't been contenders a lot lately is they might be a little bit more likely to, um, you know, to trade. Um, now we, we saw that, that the Orioles were not that last year. I think Michael Isis is too disciplined uh, <laughs> to, to but the Marlins are playing pretty well this year. You've, you've got a handful of teams that haven't had success in a while and, and might be eager to make a run at it. And the Tigers Tigers don't have a ton of really great trade chips, but they have enough to get some interesting players in return.
1: Well, and the okay. thing is, that there, there might be a, a paucity of, of of sellers, right? So, I mean, uh, so if, if they're one of only uh, four or five teams that are really putting a lot of players out there, then that's to their benefit.
2: Yeah. And and it's always it'll be interesting to see how Scott Harris plays this because this is his first, you know, trade deadline as the president. Is he gonna jump on early offers? Is he gonna try to wait out the market and pull a Michael Fulmer last second deal? Is he I don't know, is is you know, at the time we thought the Gregory Soto trade made sense in the offseason. And honestly, that that's sort of a question I've been asking myself is if Matt Vierling ends up just being who we're seeing right now, there's like a one ten WRC plus with He's, he's a good outfielder in the corners, not good in the center. So don't put him in center field. Yeah, But a, a decent, you know, two-war player, is that alone enough for Gregory Soto? If you have a decent two-war maybe starter, maybe fourth outfielder for five years? Maybe to me. I mean, the Maton thing has gone so terribly wrong that it's <laughs> really like if you if you just did it by war, the Tigers are losing this one. Yeah. But – Sometimes that's why you do a three-for-one trade, right, or three-for-two, I guess, with, with Cody Clemens. You, you give yourself a couple more chances to hit on a player. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how Vierling ends out the season.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that he's, he's definitely, the last couple of weeks, I thought he's looked a little bit more impressive. He's making good contact. Um, I, I like the fact that he, he runs the base as well. Um, cool slide. <sighs> Yeah, that was great i I don't know how he put the brakes on and stopped that was that to me was the best part was how he he held the bag uh it was amazing um quite a play yeah Soto I know I looked at Soto recently it was interesting he had like um four outings where he allowed three runs or more and then he had like twenty four outings where he spotless you know so uh it's just and that's why his his numbers were ugly but overall, but when you look in the details there he was actually doing pretty well um what could he, you know if you're removing him at a deadline now what would that be worth hard to say but you know if it's straight up veerling for soto would you have done that trade this winter probably not mm-hmm. i, I yeah.
2: don't know <laughs> yeah probably yeah, i think you're right i uh, probably not uh yeah soto's soto's uh fip is the lowest of his career right now the era is still four four or five because of those blow-ups but yeah he's, he's striking guys out and his walk rate's lower than it's been before so he's been pretty good for them i just uh I just—it's one of those things where, I like, gr- great—you got Soto on the team this year. Your your one's a little bit deeper, but you're still a bad team. But as you said just now, maybe you trade him now and you get a better return. Who knows?
1: Yeah. You can but, go, um you can go a lot of different notes on that one.
2: Yeah. The the one uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up um, before we get out of here, I guess, unless people have more questions, is you know, the Tigers are nine games left until the All Star break. Mm-hmm. If they went nine and zero, they'd be a game under five hundred, I believe um but you know they got 3 at Colorado we've previously discussed how bad they are then they come home for 3 against the A's we discussed how bad they are and then 3 against the Blue Jays which you know a pretty good team this year but disappointing certainly where, better than the Tigers are but what's that
1: where where is that series home home okay. uh, they get they come home
2: for a six game homestand okay so I, i'm trying to get you know what what what, what do we think they're going to do in these 9 games and what would be acceptable what would be disaster
1: you know I think if they the first thing that pops my mind i'm out. I always make people mad I, I never think about sweeps I think win series you know I think you sweep somebody that's a real bonus um but Oakland is bad enough where you probably should consider the idea of sweeping right <laughs> you I, probably I should be so. your mind uh so if they were to win two out of three in Colorado, maybe sweep the sweep uh uh oakland. And then whether you win one or two versus the Blue Jays, I mean that that would seem to be a pretty good finish to the season. I mean they'd be six and three maybe uh, over these last nine. That'd be pretty solid baseball.
2: Yeah, I mean I, I think just by the nature of things, it's most likely to be five and four in yeah. some capacity or four and five, which would be kind of a bummer. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think six and three is not outrageous, right? You, you no. uh, s- sweep one of these series, or you know maybe even. Yeah, baseball never works this way, right? They'll they'll go, they'll lose three to Colorado, win two of three against the A's, and then sweep the Blue Jays, and, and sure. it's like what five and four are the hard way. But yeah, I, I just feel like it's this is a winnable stretch of, of baseball for the Tigers. I think.
1: Well, how often in the last five years have they played two consecutive teams who are worse than them?
2: That's a that's a that's a great question to look up. <laughs>
1: um, it's probably an opportunity that hasn't presented itself too often.
2: Yeah, it, it maybe at the toward the end of twenty twenty one. But yeah, that's uh so yeah, it it's you know on paper. You you hope that they can pull it off. And it just we keep talking like it just feels like help is almost on the way. Yeah. Like you you got Riley Green coming back and not too long, he and we are gonna start taking it bats, I think, tomorrow or this week. Um so that that yeah. could help the offense a little bit. Yeah, and then Erod pitched tonight, like you said. Scubol has pitched lately. That's two arms that are coming back. You, you lose you lose Boyd, unfortunately, for the year. You lose Olson for a little bit, maybe, maybe not even a start. Yeah. You've 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 gotten gotten rid of Joey Wentz, who put up a 70 RA or whatever, and you're gonna replace him with a Scoobol or a Erod. I think the Tigers should be close to full strength or as close to full strength as they've been all year. In, in a week or so so
1: well he should have brisky back right for the bullpen
2: yeah he, he pitched today he gave him a home run in his huh. one inning but he is he's been back pitching fine yeah it's just a matter of they they have to put him pull him off the 60-day injured list and put him on the either you know the 26 man or, or option him to Toledo. but yeah and that there are going to be some moves we've talked about this before that they've got a lot of moves to make because there's a lot of players on the 60-day IL that have to come off, which means they have to make room for them on the 40, man, which means and we've already seen Mischewitz go. I think Zach Lowe will probably be a one-and-done. Yeah. Uh, Blair Calvo will probably be gone. Then you're looking at, you know, does, is this finally it for Jonathan Scope? Yep. Is Do they get rid of Jake Marisnyk? I, You know, people are like, yeah, they just got him for nothing, but he's actually been pretty good for them. Like, he's been useful.
1: Oh, yeah, reasonably. Anyway, Yeah. I think, though, I, he's the kind of journeyman who he, he, he probably would go uh, and probably wouldn't get – maybe not even get claimed. He might be able to get him to Toledo. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, and they do have,
2: I believe, Nick Solak still on the 40, man, and he hasn't come up yet, so they, that's a guy they could just, you know, release as well. So they, there's, there's no shortage of options they could, uh, you this, know, to, to make room, but there's going to be a lot of movement.
1: For a 35-and-45 ball club. It is an interesting season compared to some of the dreck we've watched uh, the last few years, right? Because they they have the uh, you know these players coming back from injury. You just you just noted through went through all of them. Uh, we have the the travails of Spencer Torkelson, <laughs> the nightly thing. Uh, we have the final season of of Cabrera and this little mini resurgence he's having, which has been really fun to watch. Um, and then you have in the front office. Uh, you know we're seeing. Scott Harris's first trade deadline. Scott Harris's first draft. Uh, how all that's going to come together? Um, they're keeping our interest more than a, the the typical team that's ten games under five hundred.
2: Yeah, it's certainly keeping our interest, but you know we're kind of hardcore. But yes. I, I do think that there is enough there to, and yeah, just just being able to be within shouting distance in this terrible terrible division makes things interesting. I think it's kind of fouled up. The plans, uh, as as you know, in as much as they exist for Scott Harris, because I think they they do want to try to compete. I mean, I know that AJ hitch his goal, and I believe him when he says our goal is to win today's game. I, yeah. I believe that that I think that's how you have to manage. You have to have some foresight for planning and stuff like that. But you have to manage every day like you want to win. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you have to give a guy a, a day off that you don't want to, or something like that that you're going to give yourself a little disadvantage but you know aj Hinch isn't out there planning on tanking he wants to put the best possible roster he can for that day's game and i think that in part leads to a lot of this stuff that fans get mad at the the, the tyler nevin over parker meadows because they don't need a starter they want parker meadows to come up and be a starter when he does come up basically they need a bench bat they need a right-handed bench bat and because that's what the team needs to maybe win or split the series in Texas. Now, Nevin got, what, three plate appearances or something like that? They barely used them.
1: Yes. Um, but again, like, so
2: you bring up Parker Meadows and then you play them, you give them three plate appearances. Like, it's, and I understand maybe people will say, okay, use Meadows over Marisnick or whatever, but I, I think just, this is, the, the, the decisions that don't make a ton of sense just uh, holistically or whatever, uh, the big picture, I think when you, just focus on the fact that they're trying to win still, even though we think they came into the year with no plans on winning. They're just in a weird spot where uh, I think things will get a lot clearer in about, you know, a month once the trade deadline passes, where we go, okay, they are now clearly not really trying. Although at that point, who knows, maybe they'll be in first place. Well,
1: that is with all this, you know, with with the with the pitchers that are coming back, if they get some luck with Manning um, and so on, if they trade Erod, they don't really have. And, and the division stays as soft as it looks. You know, they've they've been hanging in there without Erod now. I mean, they weathered the nine game losing streak. <laughs> so if they get yeah, Manning that's, that's... back from some of the others, and they and they move, they move Erod. What's really changed?
2: Yeah, how how unbelievable is that? This is, this is a team that's ten games under 500 They had a nine game losing streak, and they've come out of it. I think two games worse than they were before yeah. the nine game losing streak. They were like two games out, and now they're four games out. It's mm-hmm. just uh, it's bad. You know, I went down, I went down to Comerica Park last Sunday to watch the Twins game. I, I used my press pass, got I got in the press box, and uh, did a little schmoozing. Got to talk to Jim Leland briefly. He asked nice. me if I was getting a beer. Um, I was at the drink machine. <laughs> he was like, "Are what, you got you, you got a beer there?" I was like, "No." Nah, I was thinking about that orange watermelon drink. He's like, "Nah, you don't want that." I'm like, "All right, <laughs> you you whatever you say, Skip. I'm not getting that." Um, nice. but that was that game. You know, that was a a game they had won. Mm-hmm. There was a game that Nick Nick Mayton threw away. I mean, that was one of the more unfortunate. Things you'll see where where a guy's been playing so poorly and he has such a bad game that it literally cost the team a win and he's immediately demoted. That's that's probably the, the roughest thing that could happen to a professional athlete uh, aside from like a season-ending injury. It's it's. Uh, to May- Maytown's credit, he's been down in Toledo. He's, you know, he made an error on the second play of the game the other day, but he had a couple hits and he'll be back at some point. We know he oh, will. Yeah. But uh,
1: just like Tyler Nevin came back, Nick Mayton too shall rise again.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, you know, it's it's rough. It's hard to, unless you're, you know, Anthony, Miss rest in peace. Oof. But you know, pitchers like they just needed a body, and and he got, out, he came up and didn't get the job done, and and it, it, that may have happened if he had gone out and pitched a scoreless inning too. They may have been planning on, yeah, that's using true. him. So
1: we gave up all bullets, just like you know who today gave up a bunch of bullets and didn't really pay for it nearly as bad as he could have. Mason. Engler, yeah Mason I mean, pretty much every ball was, <laughs> was well yeah that, the, we were joking about it because the first
2: one was 103 miles an hour which was i think the home run
1: mm-hmm.
2: or no it was a line out second line one up. was 106 that was a home run next one was 109 was a line out and i was like all right well this next one's gonna be 112 and it was the little uh, like squibber you've ever seen like a, and it was 10 <laughs> miles an hour off the bat but Yeah, I I don't. Mason Engler, we've talked about it before that he's now, I think, past the 90 day threshold where if he had to go on the injury list, the Tigers would still be able to keep him. They wouldn't have to give him back to the Rangers.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And now I don't think they're going to manufacture an injury. But if something does happen to him, it wouldn't shock me if they put him on the 60 day because he's, yeah, he's, he's going out there and giving them some innings, but he doesn't really have the stuff. His fastball is just is just oh. uh, batting practice pitch for him, and
1: it really, yeah, I hate it. It looks it looks amateurish, really, fastball wise. I mean, it, then what I was thinking about him is as a Rule Five guy, and you know, I know you got to hang on to him, but what's the upside? Let's say they go all through all the machinations of, of holding on to him. Do they really see improvement uh, on the horizon uh, with his fastball? And, and I'm and I'm you know very much. If you ain't got a fastball, you know your odds are so yeah. low. Um, where do where do they see that going? Is it worth going through all the hassle of keeping them around? It probably is in some extent, but because they're not trying to really compete for any world title or anything, but I just I just don't see the 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 ceiling being very high there.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you compare them to like you compare them to Garrett Hill who Garrett Hill's hanging on by a thread too. and he was, yeah. He's an interesting story as a guy who was basically a command pitcher and they moved him to the bullpen and he suddenly throws much harder but can't throw strikes or quality strikes. Well, I mean, he throws four or five miles an hour harder than Mason Engler.
1: Yep.
2: And can they get Ingler a velo bump? I don't know because he's pitching out of the bullpen now and you would think that that's where it would come. If, right. if they can't, yeah, I agree. I, I feel like he's probably going to be kind of triple A – roster depth for them next year which is fine because he's still in what 2223 he doesn't have you know any experience in the upper minors really right but yeah it's tough like they brought him in yeah bring him in in a close game I was like I, this doesn't feel good and, and sure enough I think the Rangers tied it or took the lead before torkelson tied it back I guess I um so
1: yeah yeah but you're right I mean if, he, if they can hang on find a way to nurse him through this year and, and keep him in Toledo next year now he's a guy you have for depth who actually has big league experience. So you could bring him up for a start if you need him to, and maybe he can give you a five competitive innings. You know, there's some value there. Um, uh, But it's just, I think people got a little bit excited after those first few outings this spring. And I think now we kind of got a better sense of where he is.
2: Yeah. I and mean, you know, teams, this happens every, every year, especially at spring training. You know, Maton had an awesome spring too, right? But yeah. as soon as teams, Really dig in or trying to win games, they they zero in on your flaws and your faults and, and exploit them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it happens, always happens with with players. And, have um, you
1: seen Have you seen Jack O'Laughlin yet?
2: I have. Yeah, he's. Um, what
1: did you think? Of what did you think of him?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's he looks to me like like a sixth, seventh starter. Like it's it's mm-hmm. a low nineties fastball. Probably a sinker. I can't really tell. I have actually, I haven't looked at the, We're sure we have the data. And he, he's got feel for a couple of different breaking balls. I wouldn't say either of them are really more than average. And he's got a change up too. So he's got like the arsenal. He throws enough strikes. It's just, a, he's a guy that he'd be interesting maybe out of the bullpen. See if he could bump that fastball from 90 to 93 up to maybe like 94, 96. Then you, you might have some interesting there because the, he does get pretty good depth on his, his curveball. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those things where I think his curveball is better than a slider. And generally speaking, I mean, you can do that as a left-handed reliever, I think, with a curveball. But having your best secondary pitch as a curveball doesn't seem to work terribly well for a lot of guys. It's it's a little bit harder to land for strikes yeah. if you hang it. It's it's slower than a slider, so it goes pretty far when people yeah. hit it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's an interesting arm, but I don't know if I would count on him as being anything more than an org fodder still. Yeah. But he's, he's certainly he's – he's gone farther than I expected. I thought he was going to kind of be a, a high-A ball, maybe double-A soldier. And and they bumped him up to triple-A, and he's held his own. So that's impressive enough on, yeah. on its own regard.
1: Good for him. And how about this? I mean, you, you know, obviously where you are – are you going to be going to see that Toledo lineup? I mean, the Toledo lineup is actually very interesting now. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I, we Rogelio even talked about going to Columbus tomorrow night. I don't think we're actually going to do that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you've got – this this happens every now and then, where it happened two years ago. Yep. Where suddenly the lineup at Toledo was like, "Hey, we got to go to a lot of these Mud Hamps games because exactly. that one had that was Green, Torkelson, Kreidler at the time. And then they good. were all having a great seasons. Yeah, Cody Clemens was there. Daz Cameron was still there, I think. They, they still yep. had a lot of you know borderline interesting right. players. Lester was
1: hitting a bunch of homers.
2: Yeah, it was a fun team. They, they uh, I remember the last game of that season. They all used Cody Clemens' bat. Uh, they, everybody used Cody and, and Torque hit his 30th home run of the season in that game. Nice. But uh, yeah. And, and you know, it's funny, you know, Colt Keith leaves Erie and you're like, oh, poor Erie. And they went out and put up nine runs. They they <laughs> they just, they justice Bigby is hitting Chris Myers is hitting Andrew Navagato still hitting. They still have a good offense, but yeah, Toledo suddenly looks a lot more interesting. I mean, you know, Malloy has been there all year and, and Meadows has been there and they're good, but Colt Keith adds a little bit of uh, star power too. So I'm sure we'll head down there for a couple of games soon.
1: That'd be great. Yeah. It was so fun to see him get off to that great start last night. Um, Have you seen what he did tonight at all? I I was watching. He,
2: he, I know he got a single in his second at bat. It was a kind of a seeing eye single between first and second. But it was still 96 miles an hour. It was a 96-mile-an-hour grounder. So let me see. I'm checking now. Checking the score. Keith went. That was one for four. That was it. One for four. No walks. No
1: strikeouts. so he's hitting no, only 400 in, in AAA now. Are you on record? Are you on record on a yes or no? Does he see Detroit this year in a uniform?
2: Boy, that's tough. I, I I I have in to say uniform. yes, I guess, because, because just how quickly he got up to Toledo. I think that I don't think he's going to put up numbers that are appreciably worse in AAA than he did in AA. And then it's. You know, do they heed, heed the fans at some point? We're like, all right, fine. Bring him up. Have a cool moment. Um, I don't know. You know, he's from he's from all over, right? But I think he was originally from Ohio. So maybe in September, maybe they're playing Cleveland or somebody like that. And then they bring him up. I, I don't know. Okay. I, I, I would, you know, my initial thought was no. I feel like Scott Harris is going to be stubborn about this. But there's no harm, really. You're going to have to add him to the 40-man after the season anyway, I believe. Mm-hmm uh or maybe not no i guess you don't have to they don't have to until next year because i think this year that was the 2020 draft so this year they would have to add dingler and a couple of, so well i don't know that's a great answer for me um, yes no i don't know
1: you, you've covered the, all the bases on yeah. that one yeah i'm a no i i i have a hunch that um it's april 15th next year they get them past Can you the, what? the service time and
2: Well, that would be interesting. I I think if they did it that way, I don't think that he would be qualified to get the draft pick compensation. I think that you have to be on the opening day roster.
1: Yep. Um, I just don't think. I don't know. Winning the rookie of the year.
2: (laughs) But if you're trying to compete and you think he's your best option, then you could do that. But yeah, you're probably right. They probably will manipulate that. But they could also they could bring him up for a little bit this year and still do both of those things. Make sure they could. Bring him up for a little bit this year and then not start him with the team until April and then you get those weeks back or whatever. But it's I don't true. know. Yeah. Just hope he stays healthy. That's all. Just stay healthy and keep breaking and and, and then
1: it's so fun it. to watch. I mean it's it's really nice the 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 development, the evolution that he's shown so far, uh just in a short amount of time and a number of at bats uh just dominating that double A level and and uh it, it gives us hope for building a competitive lineup that we, you know, didn't have a, you know, half
2: a yeah, year I, ago. If you start stacking hitters in the lineup, you, you got Bradley you Green and you got Cole Keith in there, then that makes things look better. And maybe Torkelson figures some things out that suddenly feel better. And you got Andy Abanias and Zach McKinstry being not complete black holes and Matt Verling and something like Jake Rogers has been playing well, that there are some bats in the lineup and, and suddenly you feel better. Yeah. So. And I don't, Malloy's I, starting to hit it, again. Yeah. He had a home run today. Um, Hit a home run last week. Yeah. He had a couple nice hits yesterday. So that that uh, maybe bringing Colt Keith up there, put the charge in him a little bit to say, all right, I got to I gotta win this job. But they've been like, yeah, he didn't, I think, I don't know who played third base yesterday. Or Maton played third base yesterday. Yeah. So Malloy was in the outfield and Keith was second base. Today, Keith was the DH. They're moving these guys all over the place. So
1: I'm interested to see him play more and more at second base because I think that might be the, the ticket.
2: Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah, and I did forget Kerry Carpenter. Thanks, Sergio. He said, "Don't forget Carpenter." I forgot Carpenter, which was, um, and people were happy today to see him get a start against a lefty. But he did get a hit early, but okay. then uh, later in the game there was a big spot. I think yeah. bases loaded, and he and he struck out against a lefty. But
1: and he didn't look good doing it.
2: <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't look great. I mean, that was that was the classic. Everybody was upset because they had the bases loaded, nobody out, right, and and strikeout double play. Yeah, and it's like, oh, no oh, good. But uh, well, Joseph, thank you so much, Joseph Schweitzer. Um, We don't have the soundboard to play you the exquisites and, and all that stuff. But, Roberto Helio, thanks you. And it's, you got thoughts on the upstart Marlins this year? My secondary closest team, Soler, Arias, pitching. And what are the realistic bats for Erod in your opinions?
1: Well, let me tell you, Yuri Perez, if you're a fan of the Marlins, you just have to be happy as hell every time he takes the mound. Uh, and I'm going to be, it's, it's boring to talk about your fantasy. He's on my only fantasy team, right? So I have been watching him. I think I've Mm -hmm. been watching him anyway, but I've watched him a fair amount. Wow. Uh, That looks like um, some staying power. Really? I mean the big six, eight frame, uh, man, if you're, if you're in the batter's box against that guy, he, that has to be almost Randy Johnson. Like when he finishes, like he's basically handing the ball to you. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so uh, that to me is is the most exciting part about the Marlins.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, I think they just got Jazz Chisholm back from his injury. They have, uh, is it was it Brian De La Cruz, who's turned out to be a pretty good asset for him in the outfield? Yep, Yeah, they built, built something fun there. And, and they, what they did is what people always say, like, they're like, hey, shouldn't this team do that? They've got pitching and shouldn't they trade for a bat? It always feels uh, easier said than done, but they went out and did it. And yeah, eyes has been spectacular for him. He's he's you know making a run at four hundred. Uh, he's kind of a throwback player, right? He's not, mm-hmm. he's not hitting, hitting the ball very hard or very far, but he knows how to get hits. And uh, yeah, it's it's fun to see the Marlins. Like I said earlier, it's fun to see some of these teams competing that, that haven't have been doorsteps for or doormats, I guess it would be for for years. And no question. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see them make a, a run if they can. I, I still don't know if the offense overall is going to be enough, but but they do have more pitching coming back too. They have Max Meyer coming back eventually. I don't know how far away he is. But.
1: So for as far as Erod there, I mean, Erod, if he's pitching well, it makes sense for everybody, right? I mean, he just does. Yeah. But uh, for that team, for instance, I don't know what their budget looks like, but uh, if they're pretty confident that he's going to opt out, I mean, and they can get a rental price. I mean, that does make a lot of sense. They're not making a future commitment to anything.
2: Yeah, I mean that, that, that is one that the aspect of the Eduardo Rodriguez trade market that is kind of interesting. Is there because he's gonna probably opt out, like you said, that that you're looking at like a six million dollar salary you owe know? I him. And if the Tigers would be willing to eat that, maybe you can get something even more and and it opens up your options more. But are you hearing that, Chris Illich? Are you hearing <laughs> I get the feeling that Chris Illich doesn't like to eat contracts. Yeah. I, I don't think we've have we seen it yet. I was thinking today. I don't think since he took over, have they have they bought anybody out? Basically,
1: he doesn't understand the sunk cost uh, theory.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's you know Jonathan Scope is still out there, and it's it's it's. I I never had an issue with Jonathan Scope, other than he just hasn't played very well, uh, and, and he he like Javi Baez has just completely lost all power. Yep. I don't know uh, what what happened, what their what kind of muscle milk the guys are drinking, but um, yeah, but yeah, they, you said that they have plenty of opportunity to eat his contract and send him away, and and they haven't. It's seven million dollars, which is a lot of money, but not a lot to a major league baseball owner at all. Teams, what did you know? The Diamondbacks got rid of Madison Bumgarner and ate what like forty million dollars or something close yep. to that. I thought it was yeah. So I don't know. A lot of
1: my, and that's just it's just the it. It gets a little depressing knowing about Javi Baez's deal and the fact that I had this hunch that they'll use it as an excuse. They don't have to. It's not that big of a deal. They could carry that dead money and still do anything they need to do. But, you know, the word will always leak out. Yeah, well, we got this dead money here. Four more years. Four years.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think that uh, that's uh, about wraps it up for tonight. Unless we want to discuss the draft, I don't know if there's anything new more talking about the draft.
1: Uh, well, you know, there's a lot of mock drafts coming out. and It's always fun. It's the best time of year if you love the draft. You mock draft every day, something from somebody. Uh, always just looking for those whispers out there. Um, you know, I was listening to the Pipeline podcast today. and I, I think they're getting whispers that Skeens to Pittsburgh. I know Roger was saying the opposite. I think they're seeing skeins to Pittsburgh. I really do. Um,
2: Yeah, I get the feeling, too. You see, I mean, it wasn't just Keith Law. Kylie McDaniel, I think, had schemes going to Pittsburgh. I think those guys did, too. Yeah, I think. But, again, this could just be this week's whispers. And and next week, it could be like, oh, it's Max Clark for sure or something like that. But
1: um, I just hope the Tigers. I'm usually fine with the whole idea of pay less and spend more on more guys. I get it. But you know, this for so long has been thought to be a five man draft, five top talents, and to walk away with not one of them would be a little disappointing <laughs> to me.
2: Yeah, well, and, and you know, we keep I keep seeing Langford mock to the Tigers for the most part, which is That's fine. good. That's a guy I want. I think he's very good. I think there's a chance that he ends up better than Cruz. Uh, it's for more power, maybe. But um yeah, it it's It it does feel like, oh boy, they, they better not like if if Langford's there and they go Kyle Teal or something like that to save money, it's, that's going to be tough to stomach. But like, that's the thing, like their, their pick value at number three is 8.3 million plus whatever 5% overage overall. So probably eight and a half. Mm -hmm. I think it's more than the highest draft bonus ever so far, which is Corkelson. I think maybe he was eight, eight, four or something like that. They can save money. They can get. Whoever at at you know maybe Langford probably for eight million save up four hundred thousand dollars they have to pick thirty seven and forty five they have enough money to play around and get get uh, uh, another high ranking prep kid or whatever to, to yeah. fall to them if they want and they probably should because I think that's one of the strengths of this class is, is particularly the prep infielders right there there are an yeah. awful lot of them in that second third round range uh, or sandwich round range and I think they should come out of this draft with one of them. Um, but we'll see, maybe they go heavy college bats or something like that. Uh, oh, but cool. I, I, yeah. College it, arms. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Ty Floyd. Just, uh, Have you seen Ty Floyd? I, well, I, so here's the thing. It's funny. I had, you know, I used to do full mock drafts for the tigers every year. And, and Ty Floyd was a guy that I had heading to them because he was going to go off to LSU mm. and and he was a guy who's, who's kind of, he's been okay throughout co- college, Never really put all together until the College World Series when yeah. he struck out 17 in a game against yeah. Florida. Like, what in the world just happened? And I think the problem with him has usually been his breaking ball. I think the fastball is fine. The changeup's okay, but the, he's never had a consistent breaking ball. And I, I, that's one thing that I'm not quite sure if teams have really cracked that code yet. We've seen teams figure out how to make guys throw harder. Mm-hmm. We've seen teams figure out how to make guys throw more strikes even. Which I thought would always be harder, but that the, the Dodgers seem to have no problem doing that, and the Mariners don't either. Um, but I don't know if they can. If you can really teach a guy to spin the ball, uh, that's I think. I think that's Bill Brisky's main issue. I think that's why he's not a starter. He just uh, he can't quite spin a, a good slider or a curveball. But yeah, if you want to take a run on on that guy, the second round or third round or even like sure. I talked before about, like, Brandon Sprout from Florida. Now, he went out and threw 130 pitches in four innings or whatever, but yeah. he throws 100. He's got three good secondary pitches. It's 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 a flat fastball or whatever that hitters see. I think you might be able to work around that a little bit. There are some decent college arms that, that should be available in the second round.
1: I was looking at uh, Whitman from Kent State, Joe Whitman. Joe,
2: yeah. He's yeah. he's uh, one of the big movers heading into the, the draft. Uh, yeah. Really
1: yeah, interesting well, story, too. Very. Uh, lived in Europe for a good chunk of his childhood and didn't play ball and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Very yeah, interesting. So,
2: Transferred from Purdue to Kent State, and suddenly his draft stock blew up. And, and and then went out and had a great start in the Cape Cod League and I think basically shut it down. Like, yeah, that's all that people need to see.
1: So he might not last until the Tiger second pick.
2: No, I, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest if he goes in the first round. For a team that, that wants a, a good college starter, uh, he seems to have really good slider command. And it's a low 90s fastball up to mid-90s, I think. So teams teams, kind of, you know, they act weird a little bit on draft day, particularly in that 20 to 30 range. Sometimes yeah. they just go, oh, you know what, let's just get the the. So – we're in a spot now where a, a college pitcher might make more sense for us where we are. Right.
1: Well, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be fun in the next, the next 10 days, good times. Um, I'm just – I'm coming – I mean, I'll be honest, to the folks out there listening, I, I was – I've been – on Langford for a long time too. Paul Skeens is more and more the way to go to me. He got an eighty fastball. Everything else he throws is sixty and seventy. Um, he is to me not quite twice the guy Casey Mize was, but significantly better prospect uh, pre-draft from what we've seen at the college level. Than Casey Mize, um, he's just a big. Put together, dude. Who I think, if anyone's going to stay healthy, he might. You know, and I think he could change, really change the whole organization.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you don't have to dream too hard to see that guy as the the anchor of your rotation for the next six, seven years, plus however much you want to you know sign him to. Like you said, great fastball. I, you know, I don't know if it has like elite fastball shape or full, you know spin or whatever, but it's it's ninety eight to one hundred and one you can figure out how to make that work. They did it with with Hunter Green. You know yeah, his all of it. Yeah, and and yeah. he's got plus control, plus command. I would even say, uh, mm-hmm. despite throwing that hard, with a delivery that, that does not look effortful to me at all. Yeah. Like it, it looks like he's really under control. We saw that he flashed the change up that looked like a plus pitch. So yeah, I I, I wouldn't hate it. Because yeah. he's damn good. Like he's no no matter who they, they take. We were messing around with this a little bit. Like I feel like the top three crew schemes in Langford, I think they're all top ten prospects in baseball immediately. Maybe top fifteen if you're mm-hmm. like if you feel like Langford's just gonna play left field and you don't he's not gonna provide defensive value or something. But yeah, you're gonna come out of this draft. Hopefully, as you said, there are five great players. If they don't take one of the five, you're going to get a top 50 prospect in baseball, and possibly top 10. And uh, there's an
1: argument to be made. Skeens would be the number one pitching prospect in baseball.
2: I think. Yeah. I mean, we. we, I don't know how much longer Yuri Perez is considered a prospect. I think he's he's he might be two years younger than Skeens, or at least a year younger.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, And there are some there are some damn good pitching prospects. Oh well, sure. In baseball, like Gavin, excuse me, Gavin Williams is really good, and mm-hmm. and Andrew Abbott. I don't know if he still counts or not. Probably not, but but yeah, you could. I don't know who you'd rank up above him right now.
1: Be so, put it this way, he's in in on the short list.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So as you said, it's gonna be really fun. We've been doing a whole bunch of mock drafts in, in the Discord. I, I I asked a bunch of people to join. We ended up getting about six volunteers, and so we've run through. We're in our third kind of mock draft now. We did we did a straight mock draft. The first round, just like here's you know everybody gets four teams. Here's mm-hmm. who you're picking, uh, and that worked out pretty. It was it was chalk. It was Cruz, Gaines, Langford. Uh, I think I went teal to the Twins at five. Okay, just because I thought they might want a college bet. Uh, then we did the one I I kind of like where we keep score. I don't know if we did this one with you once when we we're at MCB, but you, you take, you're trying to keep score. Basically you, you, it's a snake draft that everybody gets to pick and you just try to get a guy who goes higher in real life than he does in the mock. Yes. So if I'm picking fifth and I take Max Clark and he goes first, I get like four points. Right. And you try to end up having the best score at the end. It's just a kind of a fun way to keep score. Um, that is and, and it's mostly luck. Like, and then we we're fine. We're now we're doing the one where we just take all the tigers picks through the fifth round. So, you know, pick one, 37, 45, 76. And uh, sure. So real getting getting real draft nerdy in my neck of the woods. So Good I hope uh, I like it. you guys are doing that too. So anyway, yeah. Thanks everybody for joining us on Motor City Metrics tonight. We're down uh, John for his romantic life, which is, as we said, sometimes you got to see about a girl.
1: That's right. We're and, living and vicariously Raj's, through JFK.
2: And Rod just got to go play uh, softball. But thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, you know, like subscribe, all that stuff. Right. I think people know what to do. If you could leave a review and say we're good, we'd appreciate it. If you have some constructive criticism, we'd like that too. But uh, other than that, yeah, we'll see you possibly Sunday night for the minor league show. And then maybe Monday night, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll certainly let you know. But uh, everybody have a good night and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, everyone.